It was Thursday, March the 12th to be exact, and Bob and I were sitting in the lobby of the Baxter Hotel, and there we were filming for the Everyone Initiative. We were getting excited because we felt like God had given us a vision, a picture of what could be in the future. And we were talking about the every and the one. We were talking about the every, how God just seemed to be continuing to add to our church and how we used to say audacious things like, scoot closer and move to the middle. Can you believe we used to say that? We were also saying, man, God seems to be building the every. That we are gathering here in greater numbers and um, God loves that. He loves feeding 5,000 people. He loves to gather with the church for worship and for prayer. He loves the every, but he also loves the one. He loves the one and will leave the 99 to go after the one. And so we were sitting there and talking about this and casting vision and capturing it all on film. And we were getting excited to share it with you on March 29. We were going to raise over $4 million to double the size of our base camp because we had no more room for the kids. We were going to build a two-story atrium. And inside of that atrium, there was going to be a Four Seasons playground for kids here in Montana that could get out of the cold and have some fun year-round. Adjacent to that, we were going to put in a coffee shop and not just any old coffee shop. We were going to partner with a nonprofit called Dream here in the Valley. And they were going to help us employ folks with developmental disabilities to run the coffee shop because God cares about every one. It was an incredibly exciting time at our church. I was only six months into being here and I thought things couldn't be better. Nothing could go wrong in a moment like this. And then I woke up on March 13, the infamous Friday, the 13th, 2020. And we heard the news that there was this virus that was spreading. And so Bob and I, we got together and we sat and said, hey, maybe we need to go online this weekend. It'll just be for a few weekends and then we'll all get back together. We'll get over this thing. And then we'll, we'll be back together. It'll be normal, normal. Just, just a little blip. Well, we cleared all the seats out of this place. And uh, we be- began a much longer journey than we could have ever imagined. We put seven new cameras in. And we used to play this game called Follow the Red Light to see where you're at online. So that we could still connect with you and pastor you and love you. On top of that, I still have a family. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they were just settling into their new school, their new home, their new rhythms of life when they were uh, suddenly taken away from all that. School was shut down, gone to online only, and we suddenly became homeschool parents. Now, I know some of you have embraced homeschooling your kids, and God bless you. 
But I've been, I was like praying like, Jesus, please let the schools open back up. That was just my prayer. I don't know if that was anybody else's prayer in the room or online, but I'm guessing a few of you thought, man, we got to send these kids back to school, right? On top of that, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer in the middle of all this. Uh, He had surgery and it didn't go very well and we couldn't visit him. My mom couldn't even see him while he was rehabilitating from the surgery and from the treatments in the hospital. It's an incredible time. And as for leading a church, we had four weeks where our giving just dipped and dipped and dipped and dipped. And we had no idea what we were gonna do. We sat having meetings behind closed doors with the leadership of this church saying, we trust that God has a future for us. We trust that God's gonna do great things for us, but we have to plan accordingly. If we burn through this much cash, this is the thing we have to do. And if we burn through this much cash, this is the thing we have to do. And if we burn through this much cash, this is the thing we have to do. Conversations I never, ever wanted to have in ministry. And honestly, I never wanna have again. And as for public speaking, well, it wasn't a great year as well because there was a few opinions. Did you notice that this year? There was opinions about the issue of the month every single month. And everyone said to Bob and I, take a stand. But what they meant was take my stand. They wanted us to make statements we were not going to make. We received an overwhelming Uh, love and appreciation and grace from the body of Journey Church. But I will say uh, there were some haters out there and it was not smooth sailing. It was a year unlike any other for me. And I don't say that so that you say, oh, poor Pastor Brian. I don't don't want or need your pity. We're We're doing really good actually. What I do want to say to you, it was a really unstable year. And what I want to ask you is this. How was your year? How was your 2020? Did it go exactly the way you expected it to? Or was it a little bit different? See, I think for us, it was an unstable year. I know that you have a story as well. I know that if we talked in this room, we would find out story after story about this past year. Some of you would say, I have lost a loved one this past year from COVID or from something else. And for many, I wasn't even able to... um, partake in a funeral service because of COVID. For some of you, you were getting ready to get married and you didn't know if you could even do the wedding. So you pushed it off or you you got the list way down and, and created a tiny little wedding, not what you had originally envisioned. Some of you lost your jobs this year and some of you were able to get those jobs back reasonably quickly or find a new job, but some of you have been struggling. Some of your businesses had the worst year ever. 
And maybe some of you had to shut your businesses down while others of you had the best business year of your life. And you feel kind of guilty because you know about the world around you, how unstable it is. And yet you had the greatest year of financial health in your organization that you've ever had. And you're also concerned that if it's that unsteady, what could next year bring? If it all crumbled that fast, could it crumble for your business as well? Kids, you have had to learn how to deal with your parents in a whole new way this year. You've been homeschooled. You've learned how to learn in a whole new way online, engaging with your teacher on a screen. Uh, You've wondered why your parents seem so stressed out all the time, can I tell you a secret? It's because they're stressed out. Parents, it was a hard year, juggling work and home life. And maybe your marriage was unsteady before this and this has pushed it to the very brink. I would guess that for you, this has been an unstable year. And so we gather together in what I believe is one of the most unstable Christmases in a very long time. But it's not the only unstable Christmas story. There was a man by the name of Luke. He was a physician. And he wrote an account of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And he begins his account with these words. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. My grandmother would have turned 86 this past week. She passed away a few years ago. And one of the things we always loved about grandma's house at this time of year was her nativity scenes. She collected nativity scenes and she put them all over her house. And so we always wondered what was going to be the new nativity scene that grandma was going to put up on the mantle this year. In my grandma's final few years, she started giving away these nativity sets to her kids and to her grandkids. They're some of our family's most prized possessions from grandma. But there's something strange about the nativity scene, isn't there? It seems weirdly stable. It seems like everything is perfect. All is calm and all is bright. 
It seems like Mary is sitting there and and she's just glowing and doesn't look like she just gave birth at all. She's holding her baby and rocking him gently. Joseph is standing there firm and strong. He's, He's a proud father and he has no question and no doubt in his mind. There are Sheep laying around, not batting for some reason, and a, and a shepherd standing there. There's wise men kneeling down, presenting gifts to the king, and an angel on top. You can almost hear the angel singing, you know, glory, 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 right? It's just this perfect picture. Perfect picture of a nativity scene, just so Stable, that stable. But here's the truth about the stable. It wasn't stable. It was very unstable. You see, the first Christmas, Jesus was born into an unstable world as well. In the past few weeks, we have studied this story And what we have learned about the account is that several facets of the story are incredibly unstable. There's Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary is this young girl pledged to be married to Joseph. But before the time of their wedding came around, an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, you are favored among all the women and you are going to give birth to a son, and he is going to be the savior of the world. This is my translation. He's going to be perfect. And Mary was like, I know, he's going to be my kid. My kid's going to be perfect. And the angel was like, no, really, he's going to be perfect. Like, you're going to be wrong a lot. <laughs> Let's say, right? So Mary gets this news from the angel and says, I better go talk to Joseph. So she goes, talks to Joseph. She says, Joseph, you won't believe what happened. This angel... It showed up and and told me that I'm going to give birth to a son and it's not going to be your baby, surprise, surprise. It's going to be God's baby. We're going to name him Jesus and he's going to be the savior of the world. And we just tidy this up. We're like, oh yeah, that's normal. That's That's not normal. That's not normal. In fact, what we learned in Matthew's account is that Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. Have you pondered the fact that Jesus' dad was considering divorce before he was born? This is the family that he was born into. It was not tidy. It was not stable. And the world around them, it wasn't any better. In our text, it says uh, that uh, In these days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. While Caesar Augustus, this great historical figure that we find outside of the biblical narrative, he was in charge of the entire Roman Empire, the entire Roman world. So he calls forth this census so that he can see how big his empire is and how many taxes they owe to him and to Rome so that he might use them to expand his empire even more. And the local ruler, he's even worse. His name is King Herod. We explored him a couple weeks ago, and we found out that he was incredibly unstable. He was a tyrant of a leader. He killed his own sons so that he could keep his 
throne for himself. And when these magi, these wise people show up from afar, they say to him, hey, we saw this star. It might've been a couple planets that came together. Well, by the way, I looked out there, saw the planets the other night, no Jesus. I'm kind of disappointed, I'll be honest with you. Thought that'd be a good way to end 2020, but anyway. So the magi show up to Herod and they say, hey, we saw this star in the sky and, and we know the scriptures that, that the king of the Jews is going to be born in Bethlehem. And this makes Herod irate. He loses his mind because all he wants is control and domination. He is an awful, unruly ruler. And so he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna kill all of the babies. So we've got Mary and Joseph who have an unstable home life. We have a ruler who is politically unstable. We have people who surround the manger and the stable who are also unstable. The shepherds show up. They're the wrong people at the wrong time. They shouldn't be around. The shepherds, they're dirty. They're unclean. They're unkept. They're the wrong People, You don't want your kids hanging out with the shepherds. And yet the shepherds are the first to show up at the manger, followed by the magi, these mysterious, mystical people who, who, who we don't even, they don't even have Jewish descent. Like they're not part of the in crowd. They're not part of the normal followers of Jesus. They're not part of the right religion. And yet they show up to the Stable. See, this isn't the only unstable Christmas because the first one was very unstable as well. Here's my question for you tonight What do you believe in? What do you believe in? When your world is stable, it's very easy to hide what you truly have trust and hope and faith and belief in. But when things become unstable, your belief is revealed. When things become unstable, we get to see what you really trust, what you really hope in, what you really think will bring fulfillment to your life. What do you believe in? Here's what I've seen in 2020. I've seen people's beliefs get shattered. I've seen people's beliefs get revealed. I've seen people who said, I believe in Jesus, but actually they believed in a certain type of government. And their hope and their trust was in that. And when that began to waffle, they began to waffle. I have seen people whose hope and faith and belief was in finances. And when their finances become, became uncertain this year, their life began to crumble because their belief was on something that couldn't hold the weight of glory. I have seen the highs and the lows of belief and the people who have held on to belief are the ones who believe in this story and in this Jesus. And I just want to say to you this. Here's what I believe. I believe that 2,000 years ago, 
Jesus was born into a stable and it wasn't tidy. That he lived a sinless life, that he did amazing miracles, that he, he raised the dead to life. He gave sight to the blind. He made the, the lame man to walk. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He said things like, I am the resurrection and the life. I believe it's all true. I also believe that empires will come and empires will go. I believe that nations will come and nations will go. I believe that viruses will come and viruses will go. I believe that leaders will come and leaders will go, but Jesus isn't going anywhere. And for 2,000 years, people have been trying to snuff him out, but his flame just continues to grow and grow and grow in spite of adversity, in spite of the world seeming to be against the good news of Jesus. He continues to stand firm as the most pinnacle human in all of history. And I believe that giving your life to him and believing in him is the best, fullest, deepest, richest, most stable way to live. I want to give you a simple principle, and this is the principle. In the midst of an unstable Christmas, keep calm and simply believe. I want to show you what a picture of simple belief looks like. I'm going to share with you David's story. David has an incredible story of belief to share with us. Some of you will hear echoes of your own story within this. And as you watch, I would ask you to consider, what do I believe? What do I put my hope and my trust in? Let's watch this. My life before Montana was uh, really unstable. My name is David Ramos, originally from Amarillo, Texas. So the year was 2007, and I was sitting in Potter County Jail. I had just committed three felony robberies in one night. I didn't have a weapon. I was just in a really dark addiction of crack cocaine. And I was facing prison time. I'm sitting there in my county bunk. My son, Ethan, who's, not, who's 19 now, was five and a half years old at that time. Ethan was my light <laughs> in a really dark place. Just sitting at home, wondering where his father was. And I was done, absolutely done. I'd never been more broken in my life before. And I gave up. You know what? I know one for sure way. This is going to be the last time that I ever hurt my son or my mom or my sister or my brothers. Nobody's going to have to look for me again because I'm not going to allow it to happen again. I know one for sure way to not let it happen again. I was going to end my life. It was the paperback Bible sitting right there in my cell. But I picked it up and I just cried to God. And I said, Lord, if you're real, I need you to show up in my life right now. 
then I don't deserve to live anymore. But if you're real, I'll open up this Bible and I'll meet you. And I started reading in Genesis in the beginning. <laughs> and that was my beginning. I just kept going and every day was hard, but there would be a scripture in there that would just hit me right here. You know, Jesus, he said, come to me, all who are weary. I came to him, you know what? He didn't disappoint me, he saved my life. There was two guys that volunteered at church. They weren't pastors. They had it on their hearts to go into the county jail. He said, can I pray over you? And I said, please. I felt the Holy Spirit. Everything that I had ever taken upon my life, the guilt, the shame of every horrible thing that I'd done in my life was lifted off of me. My life has been absolutely perfect. Sinless ever since. It has not been perfect since that day too. I thought, you know, once you're saved, that's it. And I did really well after I got out of prison. I did six years in prison in Texas. And then I got back into drugs. So I met Nicole. Nicole is my wife. And she's an amazing woman. She was a good decision at the bad time, though. And I did nothing but hurt her, though, through that addiction. And our marriage didn't even last a year. I fell down to my knees, and I'm praying. I said, know what, God? I did this to me. I did this to me, and I'm not going to be mad at you because I'm going to instead praise you. He's near to the brokenhearted and crushed soul. He is. He heard me. So there I was, divorced. At that point, still doing drugs. And I didn't have any money in my pocket. Got here to Montana. Got a job doing heating and air conditioning installation for a wonderful company here. They gave me a chance. And then I started going to church again after about a month of being here. Doing really well here. Getting in communities. I guess my wife started, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but she started to see that how well I was doing here and how I changed. I got clean and clean looked good on me. We decided to give it another shot. We just decided to get married again. That's amazing to think about that. I did everything I could to destroy that marriage. But what man can destroy, God can build up like that. We have a little boy. His name is Samuel David. I can be a good father now. That's, that's all I can do. I could be a good father now. I couldn't be a good husband in that first marriage. But you know what? For four years, she has a good husband. Who's stupid sometimes, but she has a good husband. 
We're building something here. God's building something here. Yeah, I'm meant to be here. You're not your past sin. You're not everything that, that the world tells you you are. You're not who you tell you are. You have to find out who God tells you you are. As long as I can keep reading that Bible, <laughs> I have hope. I have hope. I know God is never just going to let me go. He promised me, and His promises are true. True for me, and the true for you. At home, wants you to grab your candles, and if you're on site, I would love for you to grab your candles or underneath your chair, and please stand up. We're going to enter into our candlelighting part of the evening together, and I've got instructions on how to properly light your candle, which Bob is going to show you right now. The person with the candle here is going to hold it so we don't drop any wax, and then he's going to come in and not drop any wax either, and then our chair people would be really happy with you. Got it? Got it. Good. Belief is like a flame. And Jesus cannot be snuffed out. And as we pass this candle, let us consider what we believe, what we've put our hope and our trust in, what we truly believe in. Let us consider that and worship.
some this year has stirred up something in you and you've realized what you actually put your hope and your trust in and and you've realized it's, it's not actually in Jesus or it never really was in Jesus and right now you're searching for something you're trying to fill this void within your soul and I want you to know if you just reach out to him there he is Like David's story, he is coming for you. He will keep his promises to you and his promises are true. And so I wanna invite you in a moment of belief. This can be that moment for you when you would say, I believe in you, Jesus. I've tried every other way and I wanna follow after you. If that is you, I just want us all to close our eyes and I wanna lead us in a prayer a prayer of surrender, a prayer that would say, I wanna go all in and follow Jesus. Let us pray. Jesus, I pray. I pray that you would hear my voice. God, I am a sinner and I'm in need of you. And I've tried all the other ways and they have fallen short. Jesus, I need you. I want to believe in you. Help me in my un belief. I want to follow after you all the days of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in the quiet of your heart with me during the next part of this song, I want to invite you. Say, I I want to follow after Jesus. I surrender my life to him. I want to 
encourage you to raise your candle. If you're online, just let us know. Say, yes, I want to follow after Jesus. Now is the time. Let us continue to worship. gently blow out your candles and kids if you'd like to take those home as a souvenir you may do that parents you're welcome (laughs) if you don't want to take those candles home with you um, there are red bins as you leave tonight you can drop those off in those red bins Uh, if you called upon the name of the Lord you surrendered life to Jesus for the very first time or you re-upped So I want to follow after you anew this evening. Just want to let you know there's a couple of ways for you to respond uh, because we want to support you and walk with you in this journey, especially in these first steps of that journey. Uh, So there's a QR code in the front of the seat back in front of you. You can scan that and you can fill out a digital connect card. And then one of us on the pastoral staff will be connecting with you to help you in your first steps with Jesus. We're so excited for you. If you're online, I'll let a host know uh, that you need that digital connect card. They'll you in the right direction, and um, we will connect with you as well. And lastly, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Love you, Journey. See ya.